Job chapter 13, we're still in our series going through the book of Job. <clears throat> Job and chapter 13, we got about halfway through uh, Job 13 uh, this past week, this past Wednesday, and we're going to continue on there. It's truly an amazing book with so many lessons, so many lessons, lesson after lesson. And I believe that God has another one for us out of here tonight. So Job chapter 13, look down to verse number 23. Excuse me, verse number 23. Job chapter 13 and verse number 23. How many are mine enemies and sins? Uh, I'm sorry, how many are my iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and sin. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and holdest me for thine enemy? Wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro? And wilt thou pursue the dry stubble? For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. Thou puttest my feet also in the stocks, and lookest narrowly unto all my paths. Thou settest a print upon the hills of my feet. And he is a rotten thing, consumeth as a garden, a garment that is moth-eaten. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower, and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow, and continueth not. And we're going to stop our reading there, but we're going to go on down into verse uh, chapter number 14, just a little bit, so if you'll leave your Bible open there. I'm going to preach to you tonight on this subject, what to do when God is silent. What to do when God is silent. Let's pray, and we'll get, get going. Heavenly Father, thank you once again just for your word, and Lord, that you uh, can use it in our life like a tool just to help us through times in our life. Uh, to be helped to others, uh, Lord, to grow, um, Lord, to be more trustworthy of you and to be stronger in our faith. And we pray tonight that you would uh, certainly use your word to do that. We pray for your power to preach, clarity of uh, thought to help my eyes to be focused tonight. I just pray, God, that your will would be done tonight. And we'll thank you for that, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. For the reading of the Word of God, please do, do be seated. <clears throat> what to do when God is silent. One Bible commentator wrote this. He said, in every life at some time a person finds himself in that dark tunnel where no light is visible. You weep and cry out in frustration and you plead, Lord, I can't take anymore. I have no more patience and no more strength to hold out. I must hear from you today. If you don't resolve this issue, I don't know what I am going to do. Can't you see I'm desperate? Why don't you help me? End quote. I think that writer's right. I think there are times that all of us at some point go into that dark tunnel and we wonder if there's light on the other end. 
we wonder if the tunnel is ever, ever going to come out of that tunnel. I, I think he's right. And by the end of chapter number 13, that's exactly where Job is at in his life. Verse number 15 of chapter 13, Job makes a very tremendous statement. He says, though he slay me, talking of God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's as if, God, it's as if Job says, God, if it is your plan to take me along with my children, I'm trusting you no matter what. And then when there's no one else, uh, nowhere else to turn, Job began to pray. He began to cry out to God. Now, use your imagination with me. I mean, really, can you even imagine how worn down he must have been at that point? His children are gone. His wealth is gone. His health is gone. His wife is totally disgusted with him. Why don't you just curse God and die? And then all of this time of putting up with the rhetoric of his friends... Can you imagine his emotions were probably carrying him on a roller coaster ride? One minute he's talking about his faith and hope in God, and the next about the hopelessness of life. I mean, it's like right now his life is just kind of like this. And he's not even sure where he's going. He's just holding on the best that he can. And if there was ever anyone that we could define as being on the border of depression, that seems to be Job at this point. I mean, he's right there. I mean, it's, it's not looking real good. And he needs some serious help. And he's listened to these three quote-unquote friends, and they have not given any help up to this point. And so he begins to talk to God. And he makes some requests uh, to God. Look at verse number 23 again there in verse, uh, chapter 13. How many are mine iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and my sin. So here's the first thing that he says to God. Reveal to me my sins. Hold on, preacher. Wait a minute. I mean, he's been trying to tell his friends that he wasn't in sin. Right. But his friends have been saying, Job, you must be in this awful mess because of your wicked sins. Um. He had sat there and he had been accused by his friends of sin being the cause of his suffering. And he's defended himself all this time, right? Somebody say amen. He has. I I don't understand. I know I'm not perfect, but hey, yes, I am as right with God as I can think I can be. And now the first thing he prays is, Lord, just reveal to me my sins. It's, It's like he says to God, look, if these guys are right, God, if, if these guys, what they are saying, if that is correct, please show me what it is that I've been doing or have done that's so wrong. Please reveal to me what it is in my life that's causing me to have to go through all these things. Please show me those things. You know, it's not, it's not a bad idea, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to touch it more, but it's not a bad idea at times just to ask the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Lord, help me to know. Look in those dark spots. 
Make sure that I haven't overlooked something in my life. Make sure, help, help me, Lord, to make sure that I've confessed all my sin, that I'm not blind to myself. I'm telling you, there's a lot of, no, no, I believe there's a lot of blind Christians walking around today because the Bible says that we're to be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. And there's a lot of people that hear the Word of God, and yet they're not doing the Word of God, and they still think that they're right with God, even though they haven't done the Word of God. And we know that if they are not doing what God wants them to do, that they are not as right with God as they can be. And the Bible in the book of James says, the more that you hear it and don't do it, the more deceived you become. And pretty soon, and I do believe this with all my heart, we become blinded. And, and we're coming to church and we're reading our Bible and we're even praying a little bit and putting money in the plate. We're doing all these things, but really we are blinded to things in our own life that are keeping us from being everywhere that God would have us to be and doing everything that God would have us to do. And, and it is good for us every once in a while to say, oh Lord, just search me real good. Make sure that I don't have anything in there that needs to be taken care of. And then he said this, and I, I like this. Verse number 24 says, Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and holdest me for thine enemy? So he says this, Lord, let me see your face. I can't find you. I just want to see you. Okay, think about it this way. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you, have you ever felt ignored? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were just being ignored? That's a pretty frustrating thing, isn't it? That's what Job's feeling like. He, he's feeling like God's just ignoring him. Come on, he's had this relationship with God, right? I mean, he's been out, and he's sacrificed, he's done all these different things. He has had a relationship with God. And now all of a sudden he's feeling like God's just ignoring him. Why doesn't, why doesn't God give him some answer to these questions? I mean, why is it that God has done nothing to ease the suffering? What's going on, God? I'd just like to see your face. I'd like to know that you're there. I'd like for you to do something to show me. I mean, he's getting to a, pl- a place where, look up here, he's getting to a place where he feels like God doesn't even care. Why doesn't God care? What, God? I, am, I, am, I, am I no more to you? What, let me just wait, wait. Verse 25 there. Wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro? And wilt thou pursue the dry stubble? It's like saying, what, 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 am I no more to you than a crushed leaf? A leaf that's been broken? An old leaf? Am I no more to you than pieces of straw that are being blown around by the wind? What's going on, God? He's felt ignored. He's felt like he's just been left alone. I mean, he's done all these things up to this time, and he definitely feels, please get this, at this point now, he definitely feels like he's being punished, but he can't figure out why. He's heard all of this stuff. Job, you're being punished because you've got some wicked sin in your life. He's heard it from these three friends, all these ones. And, and with everything that he's gone through, he feels like he is, but he doesn't know why. Lord, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I, I don't get it. And, and as we read on through that and get through that, Do you see the answer that God gave him here in our text? Following this prayerful plea to God? 
The, the answer that Job got after praying is the least liked prayer of any of us. I mean, the least liked answer of any of us. Well, preacher, what is it? Uh, nada. Nothing. Zip. Zilch. Silence. He pours his heart out to God and nothing. Nothing. God doesn't offer up any words of comfort. There came no instruction as to what uh, God was trying to accomplish in Job's life at that time. Um, there was not even a reproving, a rebuking, nothing. Job's genuinely looking for answers here. You understand that? I mean, he's genuinely wanting to know whatever it is, and there came none. Silence. Nothing at all. Now, we know that God hears our prayers, and we know that God answers our prayers. But there are those times that God is silent. Isn't that so? Come on, anybody that's ever, anybody that's a praying person knows that's a fact. There are those times. By the way, let me just interject this. That shouldn't be all the time. If you never hear from God, there's a problem. But there are those times that God is silent. And when those times come, if we're not careful, we may get to thinking that God has given up on us. I said if we're not careful, we might just get thinking that God's just given up, that He's just left us there to ourselves. When Job didn't get answers from God, it sent him into a downward spiral of hopelessness. I mean, he didn't get answers, he's wanting answers, he didn't get them, and so he's on this downward spiral of hopelessness. Nothing had been done, nothing had been done to convince his friends that he was innocent of any terrible sins. He's been trying to prove himself innocent, nothing had been done that way, and now he probably has it in his head that God was not going to be of any help to him through all of this. Well, that's fine. Now I'm here. All by myself. I mean, he felt like God had abandoned him. That, so he probably had this very deep sense of helplessness. So it brought him to a place of reflection. Re reflection of his lot in life. Well, maybe this is just my lot in life. No, it brought him to that place. Truly. Verse number 14. I mean, chapter number 14. Look at verse number one again. Here, here's where he goes on and says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou, thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn him, uh, turn from him, that he may rest till he shall accomplish as in hireling his day. So his purpose, or I'm sorry, his perspective 
in life, Job's perspective in life can be summed up in a couple of certainties, certainties in all of this. And it starts there in verse number one. And pretty much is this. In a, life is short and tough. Life is short and it's hard. I believe that we have been fed so many lies in our life, and especially our younger generation that's come up, and that life is just supposed to be fun and carefree all the time. But that's not the truth, is it? Life is short, and life is hard. It's just a fact. And he... he, he uh, uh, equates it with a, a flower that sprouts. So it's this, this flower, this beautiful flower sprouts, and then it's just mowed down. Or, or, or like a cloud that comes over on a very hot day when the sun's beating down, a cloud comes in, it gives some relief for the, from the stifling heat, and then once again it passes and the heat comes out again. Life is short. Life is hard. We go, thing, we go through things in life that make it tough, don't we? I mean, that's just, a, that's just the truth. It's just right. Well, like what, preacher? Uh, there's a, uh, a man, an innumerable list, I think, of health problems, financial problems, uh, troubles at work, people problems. Uh, relationships, uh, being betrayed. I mean, on and on this list can go, right? I mean, we go through things that make this life tough. But think about this with me. Come on, come on, think about this. Turn your brain on for just a second here. Think about this. What, what What about these questions? Are there problems that can arise because of sin in our life? I mean, can problems, can troubles, can, can troubles and problems that are going on in, our, on in our life, can those be caused because of sin in our life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about this question? Are there times that God will use problems to help us to deal with those sins? Well, I can guarantee you that's right. Yeah, he'll bring about things that will be eye-opening for us. And we go, oh man, I need to take care of this. If I'm going to go forward, if I'm going to move on, this needs to be taken care of. Sure. I mean, there are those times. Yeah. If, if life is going to be hard because of sin then we can all expect to go through some tough times. Because there is not one of us that does not sin. So it shouldn't surprise us when, tough t- when, when hard things happen. It shouldn't surprise us when we go through hard times in our life. No, no, no. Verse number four. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. And none of us are where we need to be. None of us. None of us. And Job didn't claim to be perfect. God's the one that said he was perfect and upright and skewed evil. No, no, Job didn't claim that. 
And if life is hard just because of sin, then probably none of us will get the rest that we really long for. I mean, that real rest that we really long for until we come to life's end. When there's going to be total rest. Complete rest. Look at verse number 5 again. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest. Though he shall accomplish as in hiring his day. Now hold it. Now look up here for a minute. Because I mean, y'all are going, man, I can't believe what preacher. No, wait, let me ask you another couple more questions. We'll go on. Is that an optimistic way to look at life? No. (laughs) It's not. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not an optimistic way. Is it a complete view? A complete view of our lives today? No. It's not. Because there are those times in our life, aren't there, where things are going good. Things are going right. I mean, there is some rest. Come on, we're just reading what Job wrote here. Right now, he's thinking there's no rest whatsoever, ever. not going to be anything. So, no, that's not a complete view of our lives today. No, 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 no. But, 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 it is a sobering, accurate look at life. Because there's going to be problems. There's going to be trials. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be storms. And there will come those times somewhere in our life that we don't completely understand why it is going on for us. And we really don't know if we'll ever get to the end of it. Oswald Chambers said this. I thought it was a great quote. He said this. Suffering is the heritage of the bad. Stay with me here. Suffering is the heritage of the bad, of the penitent, and of the Son of God. Each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is crucified, the penitent thief is crucified, and the Son of God is crucified. By these signs, we know the widespread heritage of suffering. Wait a minute, the... the the bad guy, he deserved to suffer. Yeah. The, the penitent guy, I mean, maybe not so much, but we know the Son of God, he didn't deserve to suffer. Right. But he did. So, why in the world would we think for a second that we won't? Or that we don't deserve to go through something in our life along the way? Well, preacher, you act like you wish for this. Not me. No, me. Uh uh. Not me. <laughs> I don't think any of us should wish for it. I'm just saying that life is short. And life is hard. And those times do come. Come on, unexpected things do happen in our life, don't they? Where we're going, my, why is this happening to me? And why am I going through this? And and why am I having to suffer through this? I'm telling you, it's a widespread heritage of suffering. He said it very good. But life is not only short and tough. Death is inescapable. Look at verse number 7. It says, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. 
though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the sin of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fell from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dry up, so man lieth down and riseth not. Till the heavens be no more, they shall not wake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, and thou wouldest keep me secret until the wrath be passed, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. Death, he says, and we know, is final. I'm talking about the death of this body that carries us around today. Death is final. And he says here, you know, if you cut down a tree, the stump may sprout and grow afterwards. Or, you know, if, if a creek dries up, there's a chance that one day it'll be flowing once again. But when someone dies and is laid to rest, well, they're not coming back to life in this world. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Death is the end of life on earth. It's final. It's permanent. When our natural life on this planet is over, it's over. It's over. But is death forever? Look at verse number 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. See, we have the hope of sins forgiven and the wrath of God being past. Now it's there in verse 13. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldest point me a set time and remember me. We have hope of a resurrection day. I mean, that time is coming. Without a doubt. It goes on after verse 14, goes on verse 15. Then thou... Thou shalt call, thou, verse 15, thou shalt call, and I will answer thee, thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. We have a hope in a resurrection day. That day that God calls and corruption gives away to incorruption. It's going to be a wonderful time. We drop this old body. We go to meet him in the air. I mean, it's going to be a wonderful, 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 wonderful time. So here's a great thought from Job. Here's a great thought. If it is sin that is causing all my life's problems, God's solution, I love it, God's solution is forgiveness and resurrection. <laughs> Come on, I like it. I'm liking it. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, that, I mean, that's, uh, and it's, it's Job's thought. I'm, it's not like, what did you come up with, preacher? No, no, this is a thought from Job. If, if, if it is sin that is calling all of life's, causing all of life's problems, God's solution is forgiveness and resurrection. And, 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 and it, 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 it might be that he dies while grieving over everything that has happened. But he is sure, I love it, Job is sure that God has a better life waiting for him beyond the grave. <clears throat> for the Christian, dying ain't so bad. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to go on the next load. 
But I'm telling you, dying ain't so bad for us that know Christ. Man, forgiveness. That's the start of it all, isn't it? Hallelujah. April 1984, got on my knees, trusted Christ as my Savior. I was completely forgiven. All sin, past, present, and future, wiped away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of these days, I'll rise to meet Him in the air. It's going to be wonderful for eternity. Hallelujah. Can't wait to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I am, lamb, I am pretty sure that they are going to have Millennium Crunch ice cream there. It's only right. It's Sir Bluebell up there. Millennium Crunch. Only right. And I'll be able to eat all I want, Brother John. No more of these little bowls. Uh-uh. No, no. Bring me a big bowl, buddy. Yep. yep. Eat all I want to. I don't have to worry about that no more. And so much more than that. So much more than we can even imagine. So, so much more. So much more. So Job comes to a place of facing some real realities. He has come to some faith conclusions, if you will. And, and get, get this, get this. I'm, 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 I'm moving on, but get this. Suffering in our lives will reveal our helplessness. Now, this isn't bad. Now, stay with me. Suffering in our lives will reveal our helplessness. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18. And surely the mountain falling cometh the knot, and the rock is removed out of his place. The waters wear the stones. Thou washest away the things which grow out of the dust of the earth, and thou destroyest, thou destroyest, get this, thou destroyest, destroyest the hope of man. See, we can't resist the forces of suffering and death any more than the earth can withstand the forces of erosion. Can't do it. This is some real wisdom from Job here too, also. And one preacher put it this way. He said this, wonderful. He said, God has designed life on earth in such a way as to destroy man's hope in himself and cause him to seek his hope in God. Man, that's a, that's a wonderful thought right there. And really, this life, come on, this life isn't all we're looking to. We got a lot better life than this waiting on us. And this life that we're going through right now, hallelujah, if, if that definitely, if, if oh, I like that. God has designed life on earth in such a way as to destroy man's hope in himself and cause him to seek his hope in God. I love it. You think about this with me. After the fall of man, Adam was told by God that because of his sin, the ground was cursed and he's going to have to make a living on this earth and it was going to involve struggles and death. That's what he told him, because of the sin, because of the sin curse that came down. And it's as if Job knew the purpose behind the curse was to bring them to a place where they know that they need God. I, I don't know how you got saved, but I know how I got saved. I came to a place I knew I needed God. I knew I needed Him. Lord, I've tried all these different things and I want to and it can be and all this and I know I need You. Life can bring you to that, can't it? If we're open to it. That's where Job seems to be. Also, the likelihood of death, not, no, 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 it, the likelihood of death reveals our hopelessness. Look at verse 20. We're right at the end. Look at verse 20. Thou prevailest forever against him, and he passeth. Thou changest his countenance. And sendest him away. His sons come to honor, and he knoweth it not. And they are brought low, but he perceiveth it not of them. 
That word passeth there in verse number 20 is a synonym for death. So we know that death is not a respecter of persons. It's not a respecter of persons. What do you mean, preacher? Well, it means that, I mean that there's not one person on earth that's going to escape their appointment with death. We're all going to meet it one of these days. Every one of us. And however death may come in our lives, however it might come, slowly or in an instant, at that time, without a doubt, that person will go out into eternity, excuse me, and end up in one of two places, a real place called heaven or a real place called hell. There's no purgatory. There's no soul sleep. When we pass from this life, however it might come, slowly or quickly, we'll go to one or two places. Either a real place called heaven or a real place called hell. At that time, all earthly relationships will be over. But until that time comes, we should all be prepared to experience the pain and suffering that comes from the sorrows of this life. And would to God for all of us that it would be very minimal. But those times will come. They will come. And we should be prepared for those times. Listen, I'm telling you, there are people that cannot handle the smallest little thing that happened to them. And a lot of people have been pushed over the edge to take their own life because of problems that will eventually pass if they'll just hold on. And that's why it's so important that we are close to God. We're holding on to God. We have good relationship with God. We have good walk with God. Because when those hard times come, we can run to God and He can sustain us. He's there for us. I mean, He is there for us. No matter what kind of pain we go through. Whether it's the death of a loved one, I just don't name a whole lot of things. God is there for us. <clears throat> you know, it's really hard when some that you, uh, someone that you care about won't answer you. They just give you the silent treatment. It's tough. It really is. But it can be especially hard when it is God that's silent. You, you know you need answers. You want answers. I mean, I'm talking about those times that you're crying out to Him from the innermost part of your being and you, you need answers and all you get is silence. That's hard. Without a doubt, it's hard. So what are some lessons that we can learn here about how to respond to God when He seems to be silent? Let me give you four very quickly, very quickly. Or if you want to write these down, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. But let me give you four very quickly. Number one, don't get to thinking that God has forsaken or forgotten you. He has not. I said when God is silent, don't get to thinking that He has forsaken or forgotten you. He has not. He has not. Matthew 10 verse 30 says, But the very heads of your head are all numbered. If God's keeping track of the hairs on your head, and some of you he doesn't have to watch very closely. 
But if God's keeping track of the hairs on your head, that means He knows where you're at at any given second of the day. I'm telling you, He's not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He is there. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says this, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And that's our God. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to forsake us. He is there. So, number one, don't get to thinking that God has forsaken or forgotten about you. Number two, be willing to ask God to search your heart for, for unconfessed, unforsaken sin. Even, listen, even if you are sure there's none there. Be willing to ask God to search your heart for unconfessed, unforsaken sin. Even if you're sure there is none there. Well, how come, preacher? Because it may be there. It may just be there. And I'm telling you, the Lord can search our heart better than anyone can search our heart, and He is able to reveal things. And you know what's, what's really good is God confirming that, no, no, no. Well, what if, what if, he, what if he says that all is good? No, that's okay, because God confirming that all is well between Him and you can help us to draw closer to Him and trust Him even that much more. No, my child, all is good. All is fine. It's okay. Number three. We must be willing to confess our, listen, we must be willing to confess our helplessness. We must be willing to confess our helplessness, but never, ever, ever give in to your feelings of hopelessness. Because with God, it's not hopeless. I said, we have to be willing to confess our helplessness. God, I just can't do this alone. I, I'm helpless and I don't know what to do. And I'm just stuck right here and I really don't know what to do. That's good. We need to confess our helplessness because God is the one that we should be leaning on. But never, ever, ever give in to your feelings of hopelessness because with God, there's always hope. There's always hope. And number four, if we never come to a place of being delivered from such troubles... On this earth, live in the hope of heaven and live on the promises of the Word of God. I said, even if it seems like it's never going to come to an end, whatever you might be going through, whatever it might be, live in the hope of heaven and the promises of the Word of God. You know, Fanny Crosby was an amazing woman who wrote over 1,000 hymn texts. Blind. She was blind. And she wrote over 1,000 hymn texts, including these things like Blessed Assurance and, and uh, To God Be the Glory. She went through her life blind. She's writing Blessed Assurance. She's writing to God be the glory. Through all of her suffering, all of her trials, everything that she went through, she trusted God. She trusted, please listen, I'm done. She trusted in the God she had never seen until the day she saw His blessed face. And when she closed her eyes in death, the first face she ever saw was the face of her Savior. Because He's there. And he's just waiting for us to get home. 
but he wants us to trust him while we're here. The faith of Job, we hear about it all the time. But he had to go through a whole lot so that we could brag on him now, didn't he? Yeah. When God is silent, trust him. Because he's there. I promise you. And he's not going to let you down. He's there for us. Let's all stand. Would you stand with me? Piano player is going to come. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for, thank you for the life of Job. And, and, and I've, I've just gleaned so much, Lord. And, and I pray that you would, would help us to put it to practice. I pray that you would help us to be strong in your might. I pray we would be yielded completely to you. And I have no idea what everyone in this sanctuary might be going through in their life even right now. But I, I know this. You know. And you're there for them. And even if they haven't heard from you yet, even if they don't fully understand, even if it seems like it's gone on too long or it's just too dark, or Lord, they, they just don't know what to do, I pray they would just come, even tonight, just confess their own helpless condition that they might not fall into hopelessness. Lord, when you're silent, you still love us. And if you haven't given us answers yet, Lord, you're still working. Whatever needs to happen, I pray you, Lord, would bless this time of invitation, that your will would be done, we pray, and ask you these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Some have already come to the altar. You need to come tonight. Why don't you take time? Just take a minute. Bow knee to God whatever he wants in your life.